0: Good morning and welcome to 2019. We do a couple of things when New Year comes around, don't we? First, we do a little bit of reflection. We think back, what's last year been like? As I was talking to a friend of mine this week who's in business, he said, I hope it's not like, I hope next year's not like last year was, because it wasn't so good. then we tend to move on to that next process of, well, what's this year going to be like? What are the opportunities? What's coming our way? We can think about some of the things that um, we're looking forward to. They're probably the things we, look, we do most, aren't they? But then there's those other things that are in the mix of the year that's coming that might make us feel a little bit anxious. I have to be honest, as I stand here this morning, if you would have asked me earlier in the week how we were going to go, and some have, not a clue. In like fact, someone asked me yesterday afternoon, what's your sermon title for tomorrow? Thanks, Janine. She's been praying for me all night. said, I don't have one. and. Uh, As I look at my iPad this morning, it still hasn't updated with my notes for the service today. So, that's out. This is in. There have been things that I've been struggling with this week. If I was to reflect just a little bit, and I don't want your sympathy. I'm not looking for sympathy this morning. Last Tuesday, I think, and its computer died. That was New Year's Eve, wasn't it? Um, just before that, Friday, I went out to do some mowing. And my exhaust pipe on the mower went. And you think, oh, well, it's no big deal, is it? and I phoned them to ask how much to replace, $560 for an exhaust for a mower. <laughs> and then God placed on my heart a desire to share something with you today. But it didn't matter how much I studied it or looked at it, I just didn't feel right, didn't feel confident. I didn't feel like it was going to come together. God's good. So I stand before you this morning praising God because he is good and he does come through when we put our trust in him. I did research one of my old sermons last night just in case. So that tells you where I stand. I'm walking with God and learning. This morning what I want to do is open Ephesians chapter 5 because as I read it, Ephesians chapter 5, and I'd like you to uh, open with me. As I read Ephesians chapter 5, to me, it's a New Year's chapter. First of all, we probably want to have a little look at... Oh, I didn't ask you. What do you think about this morning? Does it go with the shirt? Ladies, uh, the men say it'll do. Because if it doesn't, I need to send photos to my daughter. She hates it when I clash. I need to do that. Um, I had a shirt that she just loved to see go in the bin when I finally wore it out. Galatians, Ephesians. So what do we know about Ephesians and the letter to the Ephesians this morning as we think about it? We know that it's a letter to the Ephesian church and we know it's from Paul. But what does John in Revelation say about the Ephesian church? He says that they were a mature bunch of Christians. They knew the ways of Jesus. They weren't strangers to walking with Christ, so they knew how to do that. Just like most of us here today, I venture to say most of us here today. And when John speaks to them in Revelation, he he tells them that he admonishes them to remember their first love, and that's one of the things that indicate that they are mature Christians, to come back and to remember their first love. I just nearly rewrote my sermon in a stroke then. Oh, that's just gone bad. My apologies. Yeah, we worked it out. So let's have a look. Let's start to look at Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to read from verse 1. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, just selected parts, and I'll explain why as we go through. It starts out by saying, therefore... So that means there's something that's happened before here. And if you want to know what that is, read chapter 4. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. So what does this imply when we're instructed to be imitators of God? The implication is that we know God that we'll spend time around God. When a child imitates their parents, they know their parents, don't they? What do they do? They look at their parents, they watch. what? Sometimes you've seen little boys and girls walking behind mum or dad up the beach or through a park imitating mum and dad. They watch them. They listen to them. They take in every movement that they make. So Paul's admonishing us here to imitate God. But there's another little something there, to imitate him as his dear children. That, to me, says that God has a special love for us as his children, doesn't he? And he wants us to imitate him. He wants us to walk in the way that he shows us to walk. Verse 2. And my apologies. I'm slipping up here, falling behind. Be like God as his dear children. Verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So walk in love as Christ has loved us. So how has Christ loved us? he died for us greater love has no man that he laid down his life he loved us unconditionally his love was a sacrificial love wasn't it it was a love that gave I watched a little bit of the tennis this week. I don't know if you guys have been, if anyone's been watching the tennis. I enjoy watching the tennis. And I noticed as they interviewed one of the young ladies who won her game, I think it was the Australian young lady, she said, I I left nothing behind, I left nothing on the court. Is that the right way to say it? She said something like that, you know what I mean. She gave it her all, didn't she? nothing left in her when she walked off that court she gave it everything and that's what jesus did for us he gave everything for us self-sacrificing so paul's admonishing us give like jesus with no expectations it's interesting you know when we give sacrificially to someone what does that do for that person when we give sacrificially without expectations nothing leaves them appreciating us more does it when we give to someone without an expectation and that's exactly what Jesus has done for us let's move forward now I said that I'd mention why I'm going to skip some verses some of these verses talk about some of the the sins that you and I get ourselves involved in and we don't need to bring them up here publicly this morning but if you're reading those verses in between while i'm speaking this morning and god touches your heart then take them to him that's what he wants us to do is to bring them to him and i know that this week as i've read some of these verses that i've come to him on my knees myself said, Lord, please forgive me for the things that I cherish that I shouldn't. So for that reason this morning, we're going to move down to verse 8. Where we're instructed to walk in the light. Verse 8 reads, and I'm reading from the New King James this morning. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And I looked at the translation on this, and I couldn't find any other way to translate it but that we were once darkness, but now we are light. I would never have wanted to call myself light. I felt that was blasphemous. God is light, isn't he? And yet it says here that we were once darkness, but now we are light. As I contemplated those words, a quote, and I haven't looked it up, from Ellen White came to my mind where she says, as I looked over the dark earth in the last days, I saw little flickers of light all over the earth, and they represented God's true followers, those who were his elect, those who were walking for him and living their lives for him. And I thought, we become light. And as I looked at that word, light, it translates as, and this is how it puts it in the, um, I'm doing well, aren't I? No, in the, um, the, no, not the translation, the, anyway, it'll come. The concordance. (laughs) It's a good word, isn't it? Thanks, Ian. The concordance. It translates it as luminousness, luminousness, and and you think of something like those little luminescent lights, like Daniel's got one on his keyring, which helps him find his keys at night for his car. Those little lights that when they absorb the light, they then. Ex- exude that light don't they and you can you could express it many different ways as rays of light as well but you know when we're walking with God we become rays of light for him let's move forward verse 9 for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness righteousness and truth I think I should give this to you, and you click it as I talk. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with unfruitful words of darkness, We'll skip down to verse 14 and read. Actually, no, verse 13. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So we are light. But should we find ourselves falling asleep and our light going out, it says, wake up. What happens when we wake up in the morning? I don't know about you, but I watched my wife wake up the other morning. She doesn't know I watched her wake up, but I did. She wriggled around in bed for a little bit. <laughs> her breathing got a little bit heavier, and she wriggled some more, and then Slowly the consciousness comes, doesn't it? And then as the consciousness comes, our eyes open and we see light. It's the first thing we see. So he promises us here that if we do happen to fall asleep and our light tends to go out, that all we have to do is come to Jesus and he will give us light. What a wonderful promise. Moving down to verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise see now now that he's doing the clicking I can know when to tell him to do it isn't that funny but if I'm doing it I forget not judging you Daniel I'm not judging you what does circumspectly even mean if we look it up in the concordance we find that the word circumspectly can mean exactly it can mean diligently it can mean perfectly so we're called to walk perfectly or diligently we could be called to walk exactly now I don't know about you but I've been hiking a few times and when you find yourself in a position like Daniel is in this photo here, where you're on a narrow path heading up to one of the highest mountains in the the country, Mount Bartle you tend to be very diligent in where your next foot goes, don't you? You're very careful as to where you step. We walk carefully when we need to. So why do we need to walk carefully in our walk with Jesus? Why is that important? Because it's probably the biggest mountain we're going to climb in our lives, isn't it? This life that we walk, this walk that we walk with Jesus. Let's read down a little further. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Let's just leave it back up a little bit there. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I've put up here, set some goals with God. Now, I don't know about you, but I know what my life's like and it's enough to fill my time with. But I also recognise that if I don't set some goals for God, with God, that I won't go after those goals. And I I hear Paul here saying to us, seek the will of the Lord. As you walk with him in this wisdom that I'm offering you, seek the will of the Lord. Set goals with God. Next one, thanks. Seek his will. I think there's one more. Nope, there's not. There's not one more. Understand what the will of the Lord is. There is little point walking diligently if we're doing that without purpose. So seek the Lord's will first. And now we get into the nitty-gritty. Verses 18 and 19. We've read verse 18 already. I'll read the last part of it again as we go into verse 19. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and in hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the. Lord. So, we're a little bit repetitious there, aren't we? Singing psalms, or speaking in in psalms, singing hymns, and spiritual songs. So, sing, sing, sing. <laughs> Those that love singing are going, yeah, sing, sing, sing. I want to tell a little story. My mum is currently uh, in the midst of dementia and um, she's not doing so well. And each time we go and visit her, often when we come to visit, um, she can be fairly sad and a little bit depressed. And that's almost daily. And it shows itself. In different ways Um, mostly she just gets pouty she gets this look on her face and she becomes teary and she doesn't know why she's teary and I'm going to try and replicate that a little bit for you she'll be sitting in her lounge room chair She'll be sitting in her lounge room chair, and she's sort of slumped. forward. forward. She might be holding a tummy. Her head's down, and she's just pretty miserable. She's not involved in the conversation that's going on in the room. She's just there. And you ask her a question, she doesn't have an answer for you. And that's how she is. Enter my lovely wife. Annette doesn't need a party because where Annette goes, a party is. And and Annette walks in and she'll start singing songs to my mum and my dad and they start joining in. The ones they know. She sings until she finds one that they know. And then they start singing. And you see this change in my mum. Now, I'll share a little story. Just last week we went and visited and mum was just feeling just like that. And I could see that dad wasn't coping very well and I said, hey, dad, let's go go to Bunnings and buy some stuff. Because we men know that if you want to be cheered up, you go and look at tools and hardware that'll make any man's day so dad and I went down to Bunnings and we bought a couple of things and um, and did that and had a bit of a chat on the way and as we came back we walked into the house and here's mum are we still on here here's mum sitting forward on the front of a seat, big smile on her face. Jesus loves me, this I know. I don't know what song it was, but the songs that they sang, her demeanor had changed. She was now involved. My mum was back. This lovely lady who nearly always had a smile on her face was now being cheeky and making fun of her son again. So when I think of that, I realise that we should never take for granted the power of singing, the power of the sound of God's word, and sharing them with each other. And you know what? It's f- it's more than just singing. Singing's good. You know, I felt pretty down and I didn't want to do much. And I rocked up to practice for us to sing one Sabbath morning. By the end of the night, I'm feeling good again. I think. I was thinking of your place, actually, Cole, last time we were there, I was feeling a bit down that night. You come away feeling uplifted, but it's more than that, isn't it? It's not just the singing, it's the fellowship that we have with each other. God didn't give us psalms and songs to spend all our time critiquing them, working out if we should be playing this instrument or that one, if we should be playing this song or that song. He gave them to us to lift our spirits, to enjoy communion and fellowship with each other, lifting each other up and coming closer to him. When I phoned Ian earlier this week to say, Ian, I don't really have too much for you at this stage. I'll feel you and if I've got more as the week comes on. We had a bit of a chat and we threw some ideas around and I got off the phone and I thought that was really good. I enjoyed the fellowship time thank you Ian and that's what Paul's encouraging here it's community (laughs) giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in Jesus name and I might have jumped on you can flick forward a couple Thanks, then what was the last one on that even in tough times. He doesn't just ask us to give thanks when things are going well. He says, give thanks always and for all things. I was preparing the sermon this morning, finalising it. Yeah, it's the little things that we don't notice, isn't it, that we can be thankful for and we were on a an international phone call the other day and one of the ladies that was it was a conference call one of the ladies that was on the call was australian but in america and we'd come on to have our little chat bit and she goes ah i can hear the magpies in the background You know, and as I was sitting there preparing this morning, I, I became aware of the sounds of the birds. And as I looked out through my window, I saw a pale-headed Rosella sitting on my fence, and I went, Oh And I just sat and watched him. And I took a photo, and then I went outside, and he flew away before I could get a close-up of him. Um, but it's those little things, isn't it, that we can give thanks to God for every day. Now I want you to notice here that those things that we've looked at that Paul's talked about up until now, those previous verses have told us how to live and how not to live. The remainder of the verses in chapter... a little bit. They talk now... first about marriage parent child and as we go into um, chapter 6 about slave and master so you can flick through a couple there now Dan thanks oh no you can't not yet so this is where the change comes in verse 21 submitting to one another in the fear of God And I want to ask you this morning, what does that even mean? What does it mean for us to submit to each other in the fear of God? And I've actually changed a little bit and said submitting reverently. And um, you can see Barry and Andrew up there submitting reverently to each other. I'm not sure what they were talking about. But it's a two-way submission, isn't it, to submit reverently. What does that mean? To obey each other. And so I went back to my concordance. And as I looked in my concordance, I found that the word submit means to be subordinate. But what was interesting was this word, which is the Greek word for submit, which is hupotasso. And I thought, oh, that sounds like jumping through hoops. So that's going to be my way of remembering submitting to one another, is that we would willingly jump through hoops for each other. I I want you to imagine... I've, I've really and truly run out of time here, so my apologies for that. Bear with me. I want you to imagine that I've pulled two of you out and I've run these occi straps around your arms and around your legs and I've said, say in Stephen's ear, Stephen, I want you to head towards that door. And in Ian's ear, I want you to head towards that door. How's it going to go? Not, not very far. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of submission going on there, is it, because you both are heading in a different direction. So I've, I've put this little phrase here that came to my mind this morning, that is, to be tied up together in service to Christ. And so I want you to picture that in your minds, if you will. And as I think of that expression, I think, That this is the essence of unity in our church, isn't it? Being tied up together in service to Christ. Nearly there, brothers and sisters. Let's have a look at verses 22 to 33. We're not going to read them all. We're just going to read verse 33 because it wraps it up verse 33 says nevertheless let each one of you in particular so love your own his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband i don't need to tell you that our church is in crisis Devil is attacking marriages and families, is he not? And we are in a tough state. But this is something that's been very dear to my heart, and I'm without—I um, am not without reproach in this area. It's very easy when we're living with someone day and night to have those moments of disfellowship, is it not? I encourage you to read these words over and over again, to read all of those words that are there. And I'm, I'm going to make a brave st- statement here, and that is that no, no matter what the problem looks like, it comes down to these two things. If there's an issue in any relationship, husband and wife, brother and sister, parent and child. You see, a man has a need. What do you think the most vital need in a man is? It's up there. To be respected what is the most vital need in a woman we are different doesn't matter what the world says today we are different are we not a woman needs to be loved she needs to feel loved but a man needs to feel respected and i will just say this that if we take more time to respect our women that our marriages and our relationships will change, that we will grow together. Things that we think are not overcomable are overcomable. I invite you now to turn with me to John. I'm going the wrong way. To John chapter 10. And verse 10 and I want to finish with this thought this morning as we reflect on those the words of the chapter that we've just read I think this says it all and I think this puts us in a place where we can move forward with God in this new year I'm not much for making New Year's resolutions but it's my prayer this year that we all walk with our Lord walk humbly that we will be imitators of God that we will walk in the love of Christ read with me if you will John chapter 10 and verse 10 the final parts especially but we'll read it all the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy and these are Jesus words but I have come that they may have it more abundantly and i know that's God what God wants for each of us this year this coming year and i pray that we will find that abundant life as we walk with him so go forward now let us pray father in heaven Lord, I just want to thank you for this church here. I want to praise your name for the friendships, for the love that is shared amongst those here. I want to thank you that when the chips are down, we know we can turn to each other and rely on each other, and that it will be through your spiritual guidance that we can do that. Lord, I want to praise your name that you've brought us into a new year and that you encourage us to walk with you, to imitate you, to love as Christ loves.